We're supposed to know what we're talking about. Please remain seated. You are now entering the nerd bunker. Episode 2 of the Nerd Bunker Podcast. Now it's called Episode 2, but I kind of think it's more like Episode 1 and last week was the pilot. Okay, so my name's Hayley and my co-host... My name's Michael. And we're going to take you through the rabbit hole for the next hour-ish. Gonna start with a bit of a catch-up. So, Mike, what have you been doing this week? As it's the uh, the Christmas season just gone, I've been watching and reading and playing games mainly. Uh, I started reading the book The Folly of the World by Jesse Bullington. Um, How to describe it without giving spoilers. It's uh, it's kind of a historical fantasy book. It's kind of set in Holland in the 1400s. I'm not actually that far into it, but it's, uh, it's quite good. Uh, is to... it making you want to read more? It is. I do like his books. I liked his um, The Sad Tale of the Brothers Grossbart. That was a, a good story. Might reread that. I've been playing a lot of Vermintide 2, a bit of Warhammer in the old world on the PlayStation. I watched a, a film as well last night on Netflix called uh, Ghosts of War. Is it? Is it... Um... Western? Is it English-American? Yeah, it's basically the story of these soldiers during World War Two that get um, told to guard this chateau. To be fair, I think the premise of the story is better than the execution of it. I think there is an original that may be Korean or Japanese. I've just got... I don't know if there is. I'm remembering something that I watched that sounds like it's based on the same premise, but it was... Was it Haunted? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Ah, I'll have to look into that. You've just reminded me about that film. It could be a mine, a gold mine for Cthulhu games. Ooh, uh, something like World mm, War Cthulhu or Acton yeah. Cthulhu. Yeah. Oh, we've not played Cthulhu for a while, have we? No. But we did play Alien on Wednesday. Oh, God, yeah. Alien RPG. That was so good. That was so good. I was really, really looking forward to playing it. And I think the like the anticipation and the atmosphere, and when you got the whole background sounds going off, um, who were the um, GM? What was it? Game's mother. Game's mother. Yeah. Oh, it was it was so good, and I was totally into it. And I watched Alien and Alien before, and I think a couple of the other players did as well. Cool. Um, yeah, it was really good. The The tension was there. It was great. I, I really enjoyed it. Hopefully we can uh, get some of you extinguished. Did any of us actually die? We'd... No. Not yet, anyway. <laughs> no, we uh, we just ended it just as you were coming face to face with a, a little alien that burst out of someone's head. That was it. I was about to die. Other than playing that, what else have, what have you been watching and reading and nerding out over? Um, well, um... I'm always complaining I haven't got the time to listen to podcasts and then I'm pottering about in the kitchen doing what I do and I always seem to have the news on this crap constantly I'm just stressing myself out um so I started listening to a podcast and it's called you're dead to me yeah um it's on BBC4 have a shortened version no swear words 
or if you listen to the proper one it's about an hour long and there is much swearing it's very funny very sarcastic and the host greg jenner um he does the horrible histories i think they're children's books or a children's series uh, i think they started off as books and then went went to the tv all ah, right yeah 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 books and then a tv series yeah um and it's billed as a history podcast for people who don't like history um and this particular episode was the history of chocolate so i thought oh yeah i'll have a listen <laughs> while i'm stood in the kitchen <laughs> not a good idea um and richard osman um was the guest because he has guests on every week do you know who richard osman is he's the guy that does not countdown pointless um i think he does a couple of other things now actually written a novel but pointless was his main gig um and extra nerdy fact um for anybody that doesn't know his brother um, Matt Osman is the rather tall bassist in a band called Sway. Fun fact, I didn't know that. But this episode, and this um, this chocolate episode, um, they said, oh, well, all sorts, but Queen Elizabeth II is the only person in the world to have eaten a 100% British bar of chocolate. Because cocoa beans are like really, really temperamental to grow. And in the 1920s, they managed to grow one pod, enough to make one tiny little bar of chocolate, like before the plant died or something. And they gave it to the Queen and she ate it. And that was it. And nobody's ever tried to grow it again. <laughs> I just thought, oh, that's nuts. But I'm sure they could do it in a, in a temperate, climate-controlled greenhouse or something. Oh, yeah. It, it's, it, it's proper hard work to grow, apparently. Another episode I heard, you know when you see like, museum-y people on the telly? And they always put white gloves on before they touch really important things and documents. That's actually just for telly. In the real world, they don't do it. Because if you've got like some thousand year old manuscript and you've got gloves on, you're going to catch the fibres of the manuscript with the gloves. So they don't wear gloves. It's like literally just for the telly. I think that's really interesting. Oh, it's called Nerdbunger. Um, but yeah, it's a really good podcast. Um, and I had a little movie night last night. I managed to watch two films. Rewatched 1984. Uh, George Orwell. Based on the book by George Orwell, yeah. Um, it's a long time since I've watched it and I kind of forgot how many other films I've seen that sort of parody it. And I, I was just thinking about all these other films all the way through. I was like, oh, um so i felt a bit depressed after watching that um and then i watched legally blonde to cheer myself up um chick flick perhaps but um it it has a few problems but actually you know it's just a film about somebody being treated a particular way because of how she's perceived um and how she sort of overcomes these challenges so I think even if a film's sort of slapped with the label of being a chick flick or being a bit stupid, sometimes there's actually some quite nice bits in it. I'm just trying to think who's who's in it. Is it... Do you want me to tell you or do you want to guess? No. Um, is, is it the one from Friends? No. Oh, actually, she was in Friends. She was in Friends, but not a main star. I like doing this when I'm watching films. Um, when person that you sat with goes, oh, that's so-and-so, and you know who it is, and you just sit there watching them squirm, like, do you want to know? No, no, no. <laughs> uh, Reese Witherspoon. Um, 
so yeah, I watched 1984 and then Legally Blonde. It was a interesting evening. Um, but this episode, we are talking about The Mandalorian. Da-da. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm going to keep in that. Probably copyrighted that music. <laughs> I don't think me going da-da is going to upset anybody. I mean, if Disney want to come round my house and have a SWAT team breaking through a window because I keep singing it, then crack on. But you are the resident Star Wars nerd. Even want to start talking about The Mandalorian without deferring to your great knowledge. Where to start? (laughs) Okay, okay. So, The Mandalorian. (laughs) Who exactly are The Mandalorian? Mandalorians are some of the most feared warriors in the galaxy. A prideful warrior, they held combat as the cornerstone of their culture and their individual identity and spirit. Mandalorians shared a strong code of honour that could be invoked to settle disputes with one another or one-on-one combat that would conclude with the death of one opponent. As a ray, I'm not a huge extended universe reader, so I've not read that much. Yeah, I did pick up... Um, the Mandalorian did used to be a particular race of yeah. people. Um, a race... Well, alien... They, they were humanoid, um, but then something happened, a bit sketchy, and then people started taking on the... What's the word? Not cult, but started taking on the identity of being. I think you saw some of that in the second season when they were on about Boba Fett just being a clone. No, he wasn't true Mandalorian. Yeah, uh, but essentially... Din Djarin, for uh, anybody that doesn't know, is the main character. You have to remember that Din Djarin was a foundling, so he wouldn't have been a Mandalorian to start with. He was a- adopted into the uh, the way of Mandalore. Yeah, so that's who the Mandalorian are. They wear this armour. Um, Beskar. It's a very strong type of steel. Yeah. It's the metal, isn't it? Cool. Um, essentially, cool guys in cool armour... Um, I use the term guys to represent male and female, um, and they're pretty badass, and this is a pretty badass series. So the series is set, correct, after Return of the Jedi? Yes, it's after the fall of the Empire, I think it's a few years after the events of Jedi. And it's sort of... Yeah, it's not like in the the centre of the action where the films take place. It's sort of in a slightly outer area. Yeah, I think it's set in the outer the outer rim, which is why there's not that much rebellion presence as well. Yeah, they do go to some planets that are mentioned in the films, though, don't they? they go to Tatooine. Okay, so that's who they are and where the series is set. Um, and the main character... Din Djarin, he bounty hunter, isn't it? And he's part he's part of the the guild. Yes. Is it just called the Guild of Bounty? I actually don't know that. Well, they're a guild, aren't they? Um, and they have these little. I think they actually call them pucks, don't they? A puck, yeah. And it comes up with a picture. Yeah, it displays like a holographic image. Yeah, yeah, of who the mark is, um, and he goes off and. Gets the mark, brings them back, gets the bounty. No escaping um, that. And he's really good at what he does. Um, 
and that's where it starts. And whether you've watched it or not, you're going to know that Baby Yoda exists. Grogu. Yeah, Grogu. Um, Grogu <laughs> is one of his marks, and that's how he's introduced to Baby Yoda. Yeah. When I first started watching it, episode one, the first thing that really grabbed me was the music. And I have done my research, and it is composed um, by a guy called Ludwig, excuse the mispronunciation, Gorenshin, I believe. Um, and I've never heard of him before, um, but I watched a programme. It was on YouTube, but it was probably taken from something else, um, where he was explaining how he came up um, with the title music and it was fascinating it had these like really old random recorders and stuff bass recorders and he was walking around this room which must be his studio um, and he was just picking up all these different instruments that he's got laid out he's like just walking around and picking things up and he can obviously play them all um, and he was showing you how he built it up from scratch um, and the beginning bit, you know, that do 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 it's played on this really strange-looking old recorder. Um, and he's done um, music for Black Panther um, and Tenet, which... Tenet, or is it Tenant? It's Tenet. Um, I still haven't got around to watching. That was the only film that went to the cinema in lockdown. Um, but the music, actually... <laughs> I wasn't going to say this, but I will. Um, in the morning, I listen to um, Classic FM um, uh, while I'm pottering about and getting dressed and what have you. And um, they do randomly play, you know, like the Star Wars themed uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark or Jurassic Park, Back to the Future. Um, and I've sent them an email for a request uh, for my birthday um, to play the Mandalorian theme tune. So uh, I will let you know if they say. <laughs> That'd be pretty nice. Um, but um, even the music, um, it just has this cowboy riding a horse rhythm to it. And the little clink his armour. You know, it's like the spurs on his boots. Um, and Star Wars you know, comes from westerns anyway. Um, and I watched um, uh, The Magnificent Seven weeks ago. Um, it was previous to that. Um, I rewatched um, Samurai Seven in a really, really long time. So I watched them. And you can just see how they all um, directly relate to each other. And, you know, Star Wars is the samurai movie. And it's the same characters telling the same story, different backdrop. Still good. Um, and watching um, watching Samurai Seven again, it's better than the Magnificent Seven. I'm not in a snooty sort. Of, oh, I prefer the original. You know, looking down your nose at things. Um, the pace of it is just really good, and the jokes in it are really good. the The only thing, I mean, obviously, if you don't like doing subtitles, then you've had it. Is the the slightly extra way, um, like when you watch Japanese anime. Um, the people are sort of quite loud um, and say things very animated and they're like that in the film so if you can watch anime they're not going to bother you I'm not the biggest anime fan I, I like a little bit um, I used to watch a bit of manga um, but when the characters talk they very sort of rah, 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 rah. the only thing like that I've watched is Attack on Titan 
Oh, Attack on God, Titans yeah. Or mm, Attack on Titan. That's series one's still on Netflix. Yeah, yeah, that's really, really good. It's like these big skinless people just came and out ate everyone. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. What the hell's going on? I don't get it. I think there's actually three seasons. Yeah. Um, for some reason, Netflix has still only got series one. And I started watching series two, dodgy but yeah, Attack on Titan. And so you understand what I'm trying to say. The way the way that they talk, it's it's a very animated, sort of loud, passionate way of talking, isn't it? Um, and they do that in Samurai 7. Um, so if you can get past that, to me, it's like a totally current film. And it's really easy to watch. And it's I think it's like three hours long. You know, from that, you've got The Magnificent Seven, which is still a good film, but... Not as good. They don't get involved in the characters enough for me. But then it's shorter, so, you know. But getting back to The Mandalorian, um, that that music just gets me every time. The Western influence, I think you can see through the way it's filmed. Yeah. Um, even the sets and stuff, it's just very Western influenced. And I think it's the better for it. It gives it its own vibe. It's like you're not watching just another Star Wars film. Well, the first scene, it, yeah. Does he not walk through like a saloon doors yes. in the very first episode? It's not like a proper door. I know it's got it? like a blast door because he cuts the bloke in half with it. We should. <laughs> yeah. Which again, I think is a very clever scene because it's done so that. But the scene's so cleverly done in that you can see that he's being a bit of a violent bugger. But it's filmed so that you don't see anything for the kids. When it first came out, I do remember hearing negative fans. But then I think the press blow them sort of things up. And you always get naysayers. And I think the problem was it was coming off the back of the disaster of the Star Wars films. Probably a bit too overprotective of the original trilogy. And I, I just think they were a bit worried. Yeah. Worry not, it was fantastic. No, I think it, it does it. It pleases us older fans and the new generation. What's the equivalent? Well, we have we have BAFTA, something called a Tony. That should be up for an Oscar, but that's film, isn't it? it should oh be, yeah, uh, it's a Tony. That the British Academy of Film. Is that telly? We don't oh, know no. anything. We're not nerds. We don't know anything. We just ramble on about tiny little things we remember. We're just two old people. <laughs> Do you remember that thing that happened one time? No, I can't remember what the... <laughs> oh, God. No, a BAFTA is TV. Oh, is it? I stand corrected. Ah, <laughs> oh, Google what a Tony is. It is the British Academy Television Craft Awards. That's in my end. A Tony Award. That's definitely a thing. The other thing um, I that I thought was quite intriguing is they use uh, different directors, don't they? They've got like a team and they kind of use a different director. Well, not for every episode. I know some of them have done more than one, but um, I've never heard of that sort of a situation before. Well, you've got John Fra- Favreau. 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 John Favreau, actually, um, by chance, I found out a uh, fact about him. I was watching one of them Christmas programmes on Netflix. Um, you know, where did your favourite Christmas film come from? And I was watching the episode about Elf. Um, and John Favreau was the director. He directed Elf. And he'd never directed anything before. The producers had never produced anything before. Basically, everybody involved in the making of the film Elf had never done anything before. And they hardly had any support. And it's like a complete miracle that that film was actually made. 
Um, and then it was like a stunning uh, box office success and went, you know, nuts. Um, Will Ferrell, that's the guy. He hadn't done much before. I think he had one film, Night at the Rocks was called. Um, and then he had another film come out at the same time that did very well, I think. But everybody was sort of at the beginning. They didn't have much support. And uh, yeah, so it, uh, when it actually came off, so John Favreau was the director. we joined those dots together. Um, but the other thing, um, at the end, the artwork that they have at the end, the like comic book style artwork in the end credit, um, was it a comic book film? No, what? I think you're seeing there is a lot of the um, concept art. Oh, right, okay. Probably storyboards yeah. for the TV yeah. show. As they, as they draw it out to film it, that's what you're seeing. Because I'm quite sad and nerdy. I'll watch them to see, and I'll be like, oh, that's, that's a bit different. <laughs> and see if I can spot any spoilers for, like, next episode or something. Never do, but, yeah, it's the uh, concept art. Oh, because I got um I got myself a Mandalorian twenty twenty one calendar and it's the concept art version film photographic. Uh, it's really nice. <laughs> I get to look at it every day. Um, so I think now is probably the time to talk about the actual series. So if you've not seen it, you don't want to get any spoilers. Skip forward x amount of minutes. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Did you hear what I said about spoilers? Um, so, two series so far. We have been told there is going to be a series three. Series one, he finds the child. They build their relationship. Series two, find the Jedi. Is that sort yeah. of a basic? Uh, kind of a basic analysis of very, it. Very, very basic. That's the idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, what was, for you, the standout moment so far? That's... A tough question. Well, you can have a top three. Out of the first season, or out of both. Although, if it's your top three, you'll probably have two. <laughs> so, <laughs> how, however you would like to do it. I think. Shall I go first with one of mine? One at a time. You, you do one. I'll do one. <laughs> okay. Right. My first standout um, is when they blow up the Razor Quest. The biggest thing, obviously, <laughs> like his home, his world, just blown up of his face, and. Obviously, this is going to sound a silly thing to say, but it's the look on his face that you obviously don't see because he's got his helmet on. But how they film it, how they... Oh, what's that word? Anthropomorphise? When you put your emotions on a on an object. Um, whatever they do... Oh, I'm going to have to take your word for that. <laughs> yeah, anthrop- anthropomorphise. Things that don't have feelings and you project your own feelings, I'm sure. Um, however they filmed it, I swear to God, it's like you can see the look on his face through the helmet. They pause on him for the exact right amount of time and you can feel, I don't know, maybe his shoulders just droop a little bit, but it just feels so real. And in that moment, you just lost everything. You're completely and utterly gutted. It was something I certainly didn't see coming. Oh, well... Well, I told you I'm like, um, well, I was a tattoo for my birthday, but considering all tattoo places to be shot for a while, um, and I wanted to incorporate the Razor Quest into it, um, it, that that moment just blew me away. What you didn't see, what you did, and the fact that it happened. So, 
that's one of mine. So I'll do my first one. It's probably my favouritest moment out of the whole two series. But it's also the same episode. And it was just Boba Fett being absolutely badass in that fight. Uh, just yeah. watching him take them stormtroopers out with his gaffy stick. Yeah, no, it, it was very, very cool. And when cool he rocked up with his armour, it was just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I could do Boba's that. Boba's back. Well, in the, in the same vein... Um, talking about people that you don't actually see up to potential. Um, I know there has been talk of um, some sort of series for Luke Skywalker because you never really get to see his potential. He's like the one and you don't really see it. Um, And I know in discussions that we've had, could be animated, but then they're talking about, um, what's his face, the Winter Soldier from Marvel? Um, Because he does look a bit like him a little bit um so they're talking about using him for a potential film so you can actually see luke getting up to what luke's supposed to be doing um because i think that was um quite a positive thing for older fans when obviously big spoiler luke comes in at the end um but he has his his own badass moment and just rips through killing them all like a hot knife through butter um and it don't phase him at all. And I don't think you got to see much of that in any of the films, really. No, them them elite super troopers are a bit disappointing to me, actually, now you've mentioned they it. They were frightening, though, weren't they? We, we saw the one that the Mandalorian had a fight at, and it was like, OK, that takes a bit of effort. But then they just sort of, uh, he's got rid of it. And it was just, I know you're on a time constraint, but... <laughs> we're crap fans. We're supposed to know shit. I'm Googling super oh, don't. troopers. <laughs> They were scary. And when that one came out and he started battering Din Djarin, I was getting really angry at the TV. I was like, you get off him! <laughs> oh, I was, I was proper stressing at it. Oh, dear. Could be Dark Troopers. Yeah. Super Trooper Dark Trooper. <laughs> Super Dark Trooper. Yeah, Dark Troopers. They're a third-generation Dark Trooper combat droid. <laughs> Yeah, but they looked proper evil, though, didn't they? Very fancy. Uh, I know that off the top of my head. Or it'll be edited so it sounds like I do. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of my standout moments and my head's just to mush. My second one would probably be the introduction scene, uh, which we've talked about, where he goes into that bar in the first episode and he just has that fight with the, uh, the ruffians that are in there. Do you think I'm going out on a limb? You know the blue guy? That he goes in to pick up. He is blue, isn't he? Do you not think he looks like Richard Dreyfuss? <laughs> yeah. Just me? <laughs> you know the guy from Jaws, the little scientist guy? His name is Richard Dreyfuss. Do you not think he looks like a bit if you squint? <laughs> I don't know. If, if I take my glasses off. <laughs> Shut one eye. Stand on one leg. Um, I tell you uh, that got me. This is in the second series as well. And it's more to do with his characters changed. And like you said... You know, episode one, badass. Um, and in the first series, you see his dedication to being Mandalorian. Uh, this is the way. Um, but then he basically falls in love with Grogu as a fatherly protector. And the episode where he has to go in that mineral mining base yeah. or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Um and he has to take his armour off for a start yep. and he has to put on the uh, trooper's armour. 
And when he gets in there, the only way to do this, access this computer, he has to take his helmet off. Yes, to get to the um, computer. And obviously showing his face is like a massive thing. It's his entire life is... Um, but he's at that point where he's willing to do anything if it means protecting, looking after Grogu. Um, and it's not just his mask that is sort of taken away. It's like all his, um, his limitations emotions whatever strips everything away and he's ju he just is who he is this guy trying to do the best that he can I just thought that was quite quite emotional i suppose he'd probably be like um you know i mean if somebody you knew all their life wore their helmet and then was looking after this kid you'd be like uh must, must mean something to him for them for them to do that um and it all ends up going a bit sideways but um he's just stood talking to the the ginger guy that is with the one that they break out of prison. Uh, Mayfield. And he's just stood, stood talking to him without his helmet on and they don't acknowledge it. They don't sort of say anything about it. And then when they go back later on and he's got his helmet back on again and Mayfield never sort of, ah, you had your helmet off. Ah. It don't really bring it up. He just sort of like stands back and just lets him get on with it. Of course, I think that that would be my number two. Got the feels. And I'll... I'll follow it up with my third favourite moment, which is probably a bit obvious. Um, but it ties into number two. Um, and it has to be when he, t when he takes his helmet off at the end, when Grogu goes off with uh, Luke. And he's like all teary. And it was really sad. And it does make me feel like, okay, what is going to become of season three? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where they take it. And then there was no, there was loads of little... Um, things going on so it's not like there's uh, no story happening i mean this whole dark saber business um bogtan needs to fight him to get it i don't know what the hell they're gonna do with that because clearly he's not gonna like battle her to be the king of mandalore not his bag is it so have you got another fave moment mandalorian's fighting ahsoka yeah uh, it's quite interesting to see her a, as a live action yeah. character and yeah yeah if, you know it's one of the yeah, major they've got beef, questions they? uh mandalorians and jedis um historic beef you'd be like who'd win in a fight a jedi or a mandalorian yeah <laughs> uh, it was an interesting scene that'd be my third choice so it's impossible to not talk about the end because it was a hell of an episode. Um, did you guess it was going to be Luke? As soon as I saw the X-Wing flying into the bay, I said, that's Luke. It probably went through everybody's minds, but did I was sort of like, no, it's too obvious. Who else can it be? And I'm like trying to look at the hands and like skin, dark skin, can't see. Is it Samuel L. Jackson? <laughs> Just take his hood off. Motherfucker. It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad, was it? And it was quite exciting yeah. to see. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't bad CGI, in fairness. I think I look at things a little bit too closely sometimes. I do like how they do the um, the CGI, like when they did Princess Leia in um, Rogue One and Tarkin. But I did graphic design for five years, so times I look at things a different way. Um, but I thought it was pretty decent, actually. Um, it did look like him. It wasn't too awful as uh, CGI can be. Um, but yeah, it was very, very no, exciting. I'd, ra I'd rather they did that. I'd rather they did something like that than like they did with Solo, where they sort of got an actor and was a bit, looks a bit like him. I have still not seen that film. Have you not? No, it's just sort of like on my list to do. 
And I keep finding other things I want to do instead. It's the only Star Wars film I have not seen at the cinema. <laughs> did it go to the cinema? Yeah, it did go to the cinema, did it? went, no, it, but it was at the yes, cinema. Yes, it was at the it? cinema, yeah. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah. So, how would you feel then if they do a Luke Skywalker film slash series, um, and they don't use Mark Hamill? I'd I'd watch it because it's Star Wars. I am googling the name of the guy. Where's his chuffing name? Bucky. That's the character name. What's his name? Uh, Sebastian something, isn't it? He's the Winter Soldier. Sebastian Stan. That's it. Yeah, yeah, I'd definitely watch it. Oh, I'd watch it, but whether, if it's just a vehicle for pushing Baby Yoda, his teenage Baby Yoda, um, I, I'm not going to be that keen on it. But if it's decent enough, then I'll watch it. I'll watch yeah. it anyway. <laughs> unless it's a cartoon. Um, so, for me, sort of in conclusion, I think The Mandalorian is fantastic. And I would even go as far to say I've actually enjoyed watching it more than star wars film to a point i felt more involved with it i was more excited about it whether that's because it came out every week i don't know but i really felt like i connected to it on a level that i haven't connected with the films i enjoyed it that much i feel like i bang on about it all the time (laughs) (laughs) it is very exciting the amount of stuff um that is allegedly in production and they all sound very very different they are spreading their seeds wide um and i can't remember the names of everything but i know one is like thriller mystery style um and that that it's not like this is star wars follow this recipe they're all very very different all these new shows that they've announced and done they know they've got a very high bar to hit (laughs) yeah but that's probably 2022 yeah yeah i'm just googling all the shows uh and all which is uh, about then, I think, yeah, to do with um, Captain Andor, Cassian Andor from Rogue One. What's that actor's name? Diego Luna. I like him as an actor. Um, I've seen him in quite a few things. Is in the Terminal. Tom Hanks gets stranded at an airport. No, I've I've not seen it. Yeah. Oh, that it. That is one of my favourite films. It really is. It's it's not some great big grand film, but it's something that I can watch and watch and watch and watch. It is really, really good. Um, it's very funny and it's very sweet. I don't think it's on anything at the minute, is it? Um, oh, it'll come on something. It was on Netflix at some <laughs> point, so it'll come up again. I mean, it's quite old now. I used to have it on DVD, um, so I used to watch it quite a lot. <laughs> but it's, it's really good. See, my favourite film of his, actually my two favourite Hanks films, are Saving Private Ryan and The Burbs. The Burbs, oh. I love both of them films. Now that is on Amazon Prime. <laughs> no, I've not. I haven't seen it for a while. In the Burbs, when they go round to the weird house and they offer them yeah. sardines or something, they offer <laughs> them sardines, it. and it's just like a really weird scene, and it like freaks me out. That's the only thing I can remember. <laughs> Um, but the other thing, which I presume you're rather excited about, is the book of Boba Fett. Uh, yeah, just a little bit. When we were doing our best moments, that really was my best yeah. moment <laughs> was i didn't want to say anything but it was just the way he walked in took over jabba's palace and it was just like oh yeah and there was a moment after that episode aired yes when it seemed like the book of boba fett was the new series 
and the Mandalorian could potentially be over. I'd have been happy if it if it was, but I can see a lot of people that wouldn't have been. You know, keyboard warriors everywhere. We're having a field day, um, and I think Favreau went on Good Morning America or whatever it is, some sort of breakfast program or something, um, and cleared the air. <laughs> To settle the Star Wars fans, there will be more Mandalorian. It's okay, chill out. I think I think there'll be a lot of people that won't watch it because there's might not be any baby odor in it. Oh, stuff baby odor. I mean, I need to know what happens to Dinjarin because he's my hero and <laughs> I need to see more of him. <laughs> Cute, but I didn't watch it because oh, baby Yoda. Oh, no, no, no. No, it was Din Djarin. He was my main man. No, it was all about him. He was the guy, and I need to know what happened with the dark saber, and what the hell he does now. Baby Yoda's gone off with Luke. I imagine he'll team up with Bo Katan, go and take on some of the See, Empire. See, when you say it like that, what story is there? But then I don't know all the ins and outs of the little the books and the outer worlds. Thrawn will get introduced a bit more lucasfilm actually have people whose full-time job it is is to know all them little ins and outs and um i think all right canon the job is to just keep the story consistent nerds (laughs) to make sure everything ties up together you were enlightened (laughs) we love it we love it we love it okay so that is it for this second the Nerd Bunker podcast. Thank you very much for listening and coming with us on this wonderfully exciting journey talking about The Mandalorian. <laughs> Sorry. Um, we would love it if you come back and listen to us again next week. Weekly episodes of our podcast and chat to us on Twitter at Nerd Bunker Pod, Instagram, Nerd Bunker Pod, Facebook, Nerd Bunker Podcast. And you can also listen slash watch um to the podcast on youtube uh bunker podcast and if you really like us you can go to patreon.com look for nerd bunker pod and support the channel um help us build the channel be part of the community and we will catch you next week see you later Bye. Cheers, guys. Thanks for listening. Intro music is Battle Theme by Kamiku and is used under Creative Commons Zero License. All copyrights are property of their holders, and everything else belongs here in the bunker. Please follow us on Twitter, Instagram at NerdBunkerPod and like us on Facebook. Please leave a review as it really helps them out. Thank you for listening.